Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Life Church. I want to ask you all a question. Who are you? Have you ever looked in the mirror and, and, and saw your image and asked yourself that question? I actually did that before preaching this message. I looked at myself and I said, who are you? And I was really challenging myself. And then honestly, I, there was a follow-up question and I pose it to all of you as well as those worshiping online. What defines you? There are a lot of things in life that we allow to define us and God says, that's not how I define you. I believe with all of my heart there's a move of God coming. And the only reason I say that is because sin is on the increase. Scripture says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That means when persecution, when evil is rampant. And I don't see this world getting better. With all of the technology we have, with, with all of the resource that's available to us, I don't see things progressing. I see things digressing. And God will always increase the light so the darkness doesn't prevail. So I believe we're living in desperate times. And the reason this outpouring is coming is because the church is going to need it or we won't survive. Now, if that scares some of you, you know that's life. But this world is a war zone. And there's God and there's the devil. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And we need to understand the hour we're living. Those of you, when you've seen the economy and interest rates increasing, you've seen some of your retirements really challenged. You've done what you need to do to tighten the belt, to use what you can afford to live on because seasons change. And then when the good seasons come, you reassess at that time. Well, spiritually, it's time to reassess. It really is. Because I believe those that really hear this word, God's placed in my spirit today. Those that embrace more of Him, Jesus. You're going to find that actually in the seasons of challenge, your faith will be enlarged. Your passion for Him, Jesus, will increase. And the anointing, even in your own life, when you pray for others, when, when you pray for yourself, you're going to see breakthroughs, and it's going to surprise you. Because you're going to say, wow, that's never happened before. That's because you stepped it up. You went to the next level. And, and, and we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at how we can get to that next level. So again, I ask, who are you? And what defines you as an individual? I have found whatever I believe about myself inwardly will eventually manifest itself outwardly. And the same is true for you. Whatever you find you believe about yourself inwardly, it will also eventually manifest outwardly. We live in a dysfunctional world. In fact, we're seeing an increase in the, in, in the field of psychology and psychiatry, we're seeing an increase in identity disorders. 
I'll just name a few. Dissociative identity disorder. Social identity disorder. Gender identity disorder. Bicultural identity disorder. Species are now named furries. Identity disorder. Those impersonating an animal's identity. They have children. Saw a video the other day. Children who were getting off the bus at school who identified as dogs, dressed like that with imitation tails, cut through their jeans or their sweatpants. And then when they got off of the bus, saw this, they were barking like dogs in order for other who identified as dogs to find them. We are living in desperate times. Satan will not go easy on our children because they're young. In fact, his greatest assault is against our children. We've got to understand as parents. We've got to understand as grandparents. We've got to understand as adults that we need to teach our children the importance of God, instill his principles, his word in their hearts and minds. We need to esteem and prioritize the Lord above every other priority, above sports, even above academics. And I'm an academic. I pursued my doctorate. I finalized that. I believe in academia. I do. Combining knowledge that is truth with the anointing of God is just a formula for an explosion. But we need to understand that all these other substitutes aren't going to save our children in the times and days of trouble. It won't. It's what we sow now, teaching them their hearts are precious. They're so pliable. I look at my nine grandchildren. And I, 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 I say to myself, Holy Spirit, just, just touch their hearts. We had two of our grandchildren the other day. I talk to them about Jesus all the time. No, I, I talk about other things too. You know, because I want them to know Pop Pop can be a preacher and have fun. But I also know the most important thing I can sow into their hearts is a legacy. So when I see these identity disorders, such as species, furries, there was another one called amputation of a limb identity crisis. People who desire to see their limbs amputated. You can go to the association the American Psychology Association, and see all of these different identity disorders. Auto-vampirism. Halloween is coming. Now, people who feel, I am a vampire, where they take and they even drink the blood of other individuals. They're obsessed. They believe it. Their minds have been convinced These are just a few of a long list, again, from the American Psychology Association of Identity Disorders. We are living in desperate times. There's an increase of wickedness. The world hates anything that has to do with the Judeo or Christian value system. Why? Because the Jews embrace the Torah. So do believers, Christians. But we also embrace the New Covenant as Christians. Satan hates the Torah because it points the way to Messiah. 
And then Messiah coming, the new covenant, the new testament of scripture, reveals who we are and what can be ours. It focuses on having God's identity. But if people don't have the Lord's identity, they embrace whatever the enemy infiltrates into their thought processes. Have you ever had a thought hit you randomly and, and, and actually it's disgusted you or maybe caused you apprehension or fear? You say, what's wrong with me? Why would I think that? There's nothing wrong with you. There's an adversary whose sole intent, sole purpose is to disrupt your mind because when you capture the mind, you capture the person. The battle of the mind. Paul says, casting down thoughts, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge or the Word of God. So when he wins here, he wins in the heart. Whatever you believe about yourself inwardly will eventually, as I said earlier, manifest outwardly. That's why as Christians it's imperative to know who we are if we expect to move on from what we were. How many of you, don't, don't answer outwardly, just assess inwardly. How many of you have things that maybe you still wrestle with and you, you, you've been facing it, you're taking steps to, to, to not allow that to have its way in your life, but there's still things that you want to put behind you once and for all, 100%. We've all got things we're working on. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. Being made holy, being cleansed, becoming more like Jesus. But you need to understand, you can't change what you've done, but you can change what you do. So sometimes we can become so obsessed with the past, so overwhelmed with all of the stuff, things that actually we're even embarrassed about. Nobody wants their dirty laundry aired for everyone to see. I know I don't. And so sometimes when there have been things, decisions, choices, lifestyles, whatever, we can become so asphyxiated on that that we're missing out on what God has for us in the present, in the now, even as well as the future. Because He's prepared a future for all of us. Scripture says that. Jeremiah says, you know, as the Holy Spirit was upon him, says, you know, I, He came to bring a hope, to give you a future. There is a future. Don't allow your present or your past to nullify God's plan, future, destiny for your life. Anyway, if you're going to praise Him, let's praise Him. Come on. You'll find when we deal with our past, you know what the fruit of that is? It will release us to embrace our future. So today you're going to deal with your past. Those of you watching, worshiping online, you're going to face your past so you can break its grip once and for all. Yes, there'll always be the memory of the past, but you don't have to live with the bondage of your past. The Apostle Paul affirms this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That's our text for this morning. He says, therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. You'll find whenever you see this word written in Scripture, then you know what you're about to read after that is important. It's there for a reason. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Holy Spirit, anoint your servant. May you have clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Anoint the hearts and the minds of the people in this auditorium, those watching this online, even in rebroadcast. Lord, anoint their hearts and minds. May they be forever changed. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Christ's name, amen. There will never be any lasting peace for those who carry the chains of their past. I've had seasons in my life when I, I've looked back at times when I made some bad decisions. I've actually found myself grieved, sad, and praying for forgiveness all over again because I'm focusing on what once was rather than what is now. And I've had the Holy Spirit, and He really burnished this into my mind when He began to deal with me about living in my past. My greatest strength, I believe, is my greatest weakness. And if you talk with those who are trained in counsel, that's true for any of us. My, my, my greatest strength is I like to do things with excellence. But then because of that, it can make me a perfectionist. And then I find myself not measuring up even to my standard. My love for God, I love Him. I do. He touched me. I owe Him everything. Whatever He asks, I'll do. Wherever He wants me to go, I'll go. But when I feel like I came up short for him, that breaks my heart. My greatest desire is never to fail him. And God had to really teach me and show me, don't focus on not failing me. Focus on pleasing me. Big difference. Big difference. I don't want to get off on a tangent. But again, this is all important if we're really going to break free from those chains of our past. That's why it's time to say no more. That's what we're looking at today. That's my title, no more. Everybody say no more. No, no more to what? No more to fear. Are you tired of being entangled and ensnared by fear? Say no more fear, no more abuse, no more addiction, no more poverty. Are you tired of living without, never having enough? One of the names of Almighty God is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And there is a way to break free from a spirit of poverty. And that's by honoring God with all that He's given us. That even means with our finance. No more poverty, no more broken dreams. No more pain of your past. No more, say no more to the devil. No more to his lies. You see, you can't say no more unless you really believe and understand that there's a way of escape. And the Apostle John, he said in 1 John 3, 8, he revealed this way of escape, the way to say no more, the way to be free. He said the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, plural. Anything that has held you captive, those of you worshiping online, anything that has held you captive, say no more. You don't have to continue in that captivity if you know Jesus. If you don't know Him, commit your life to Him, and whom the Son has set free will be free indeed, and then He will show you and teach you His ways 
and how to say no to the assaults of Satan in the kingdom of darkness. See, that verse that John shares tells us that Jesus came to set people free. That's why after I came to the Lord, there was a lot of stuff in my life. I was filled with hatred, bitterness. I also was very self-serving. And, and that's usually why sin is appealing to people, because sin always shows you what's in it for me. Isn't that what happened with Eve in the garden? Oh, I'm not supposed to eat it nor touch it. Oh, God knows the day you eat of it, you'll be like him. What's in it for you, Eve? That's, that's why the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. You know, it's a temporary gratification. But payday's coming. If you don't deal with that seed you've sown. Amen? And so here, if we're really going to take and embrace and encounter his fullness, then we need to understand that Jesus came to set me free. We're individualizing now. And if he came to set you free, that means what you were changes by giving you a new identity. And this new identity is what will enable you to proclaim my first point. No more shame. Shame is an awful thing. It's defined in Webster's Dictionary this way. A painful emotional condition of humiliating disgrace or disrepute. That's pretty strong. You'll also find that shame is a byproduct of public embarrassment. I'm so ashamed. When things are brought into the light, people are ashamed. But now, we're even seeing people are lovers of evil. And even the embrace and the hardness of the heart and the conscience that we're seeing around the world... People don't feel they've done anything wrong after they've done something wrong. And that's a sign of the end times as well. But deep down, the reason the dysfunctionality continues to spiral out of control is because in their heart of hearts, there is a conviction that says, this is wrong. And that is what feeds the shame. That's what, inf- that's what feeds an entitlement mindset. You owe me. The world owes me. No, we owe God. We missed the mark. Someone else didn't miss the mark for me. We all choose. We all make choices. We choose rather to hit the mark or to miss the mark. To do what's right or to do what's wrong. We're all accountable whether we want to admit it for our decisions. And then when the shame comes that accompanies that, One of the coping skills of dealing with shame is trying to shift the blame. It's so-and-so's fault. Well, they may have had an impact on us. I don't disagree with that. But we still choose. When we stand before God, you know, Adam, what did he do? He shifted the blame after they were caught by God. And God already knew. He just brought it into the light so that they would know he knew. He said, have you eaten of the tree of knowledge and good and evil that I commanded you not to eat? Well, the woman you gave me made me do it. It's the blame game. And we see this everywhere now. And until we come to the place 
where we say before God, Lord, like David said in his song, against you and you only have I sinned. When we take responsibility, that addresses the shame. Have you ever heard people say, if you only knew the half? What are they insinuating? Oh, there's more dirt. If I could only tell you, twist my arm a little harder, and I just might speak up. To sow suspicion. But you know what that's really about? Shifting the blame. Removing the attention from you by comparing yourself to someone else. And by doing so, making them look so bad makes you look better. Do you know God never compares his children, that's us, with other children? He doesn't compare me with Cindy, Cindy with me, and with you, family members, those sitting on your left and right. He doesn't compare your faithfulness to the faithfulness of someone else. The only one we're compared to is Jesus. And because he never missed the mark, he is our mentor. He is our example. He is the one where our focus should be because he's the one that made possible this new identity, which empowers us to say to the enemy and to negativity and the kingdom of darkness and to strongholds and to our past, no more! No more. The Apostle Paul, he understood shame. You know, he thought he was hardy after God, and he was. He was passionate for God, but he was very misdirected. And when he had that encounter on the Damascus Road, he realized all of those years wasted, imprisoning Christians, persecuting, putting to death Christians, tearing families apart, he realized how confused how deceived, how blinded he was. In fact, the physical blindness he encountered after that Damascus Road experience was actually an ma- outward manifestation for Saul of Tarsus at that time to realize his condition spiritually. Without the Lord. Sometimes I, I, I watch what's happening in our nation. And it's very simple, right and wrong. But the more people leave God out of a nation, leave him out of decisions, simple things become very difficult. Have you, have you seen that? You say to yourself, what's wrong with them? It's easy. It's a, just do this. I mean, we're all good armchair quarterbacks, right? But I'm, I'm speaking beyond that. It's sometimes humanity, people, make things much more complicated than it really is. And usually it's because there's another motivating force, another agenda that someone is looking to see fulfilled. When we come to the Lord, like the Apostle Paul, when, when he came to the Lord, everything changed. In fact, you know, he did not begin any ministry until after coming back from the wilderness, the desert of Arabia, where for three years, he says, the Holy Spirit taught him, mentored him. He had to learn about his new identity, who he was now because of Jesus, because of Messiah. But all of that, working through his past, working through his shame, his guilt, 
we see him referencing in Romans 7, 19, when he says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That was part of his sanctification, growing in the Lord. You know, he got saved, but then God began to really put his finger on areas that were unacceptable. And Paul was working on it, but then he would make that same mistake. He wrestled the guilt, the shame, till finally, all of the great revelation we have through the epistles are because God taught Paul the way. God revealed to Paul what is possible because of Jesus. And Paul embraced and took on his new identity in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. You see, these were the words of a man in Romans who was willing to face his past in order to embrace his future. And if you want to see the fullness of God revealed, if you want to see all of your needs met, it's just not like we can do whatever we want and God's got to do what he says in his word. The promises of God, they come with stipulations. If we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. But if we don't confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, there is no salvation. The promises of God are also contingent upon us embracing and being obedient to them. If you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and if you don't lean on your own understanding, and if all of your ways you acknowledge Him, then He has promised He'll direct your path. But if you don't do that, if you don't ask God's opinion about this transition, about this decision, why is it, even when people in, in, in corporate America, the business world, whether you say yes or no to something, not all of the time, but there's a high percentage for people, the yay or nay is contingent upon the dollar amount. You know, sometimes God will have us choose something less that down the road will give way to more. It's like a pathway through a maze that leads to the room of gold, to the blessing. That's why trusting in every decision, every direction, we ask God. You wait for the peace. You wait for the confirmation. You wait for the open door. And if he opens it, then go through it. Amen? The promises of God. When we are willing, like Paul, to face our past, then that will position us to embrace our future. So let me ask you, are any of you, just assess inwardly, no response. Are any of you here, and those of you watching online, are you struggling with shame? It was a great verse that God gave me in Scripture years ago. Because again, I wasn't always a Christian. I had to work through things just like all of you, and I still do. Every day I tell people I'm a work in progress. And God brought me to this verse, and it honestly brought me such peace, and it changed my life. And it's, it's when God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and says, Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. He doesn't say you'll forget the mistakes, but you'll forget the shame. You'll no longer carry that weight of guilt. If only I had done this. If only. 
you'll be able to learn from it, grow from it, and be effective in the lives of others because of it. Have you ever heard of one of the idioms you hear in life and the world uses it? Shame on you. You ever heard people say that? Shame on you. Shame on you. Do you know God never puts shame on people? In fact, you know what God speaks over all of us and what His heart's desire is to do for us? Not shame on you, but shame off of you. He wants to take the shame, the guilt, the pain you're carrying and remove it. And you'll find those who embrace God's identity when they really understand I'm not every thought that bombards my mind. Those who embrace God's identity will experience moving from shame to no more sorrow. Shame is the root of sorrow. Remove the shame and the sorrow would resolve. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, how many are familiar with that name? He says this, he says, every man, this is applicable, male or female, but he says every man has his secret sorrows, which the world knows not, and oftentimes we call a man cold when he is only sad. Sometimes what we observe outwardly is not really what's going on at all inwardly. The fruit of shame is sorrow. And once you remove the shame, that's how you take away the sorrow. Look at Peter. The night our Lord was betrayed and then the crucifixion, he abandoned the Lord. He denied the Lord. He turned from his faith. He allowed fear to overwhelm him. And because of that, he then was overwhelmed with sorrow and shame. He felt unqualified then after the Lord's resurrection. He knew what he had done. He had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had sat at the feet of Jesus, learning and being discipled by him. He was mentored by the Lord. I can't think of anything better than to be actually flesh and blood in the presence and mentored over time like that by Jesus. So when he had denied the Lord those three times, he felt unqualified. He felt unworthy and rejected. Couldn't get past it because he remembered what he had done. He was ashamed. He was filled with grief and sorrow. But you know, after Jesus confronted him, spoke into him, just like he desires to do for all of us, everything changed for Peter. Why do you think that's so? Because Jesus didn't define Peter by his failure. How many times do we do that to ourselves? How many times do we do that to others? We define ourselves, we define others by failure. Jesus didn't define Peter by his failure. He defined him. Here you go. This is profound. It's life-changing. It's simple, but it's life-changing. He defined Peter by the cross. Did you hear me? He defined Peter by the cross. What did the cross do? It provided a new beginning. It provided a new identity. Look at Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. The Apostle John says, He, speaking of Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And here's the key, what I want to emphasize. For the former things have what? Passed away. Passed away. What's that mean? Passed away. That means deceased. Dead. What died? Your guilt was nailed to the cross. Are you hearing this? Don't block this out. Holy Spirit, help me. Your guilt, your sin, your failures, your shame, your addictions. When you gave your life to Christ, supernaturally, the moment, the day, the time, the second, the microsecond, you prayed that prayer. Your sin was translated back 2,000 years in time and was nailed through the hands of Jesus, through the feet of Jesus. That spear that passed its side went through your sin, my sin, whatever it is. It's what the cross did. It killed the power and the authority of sin and Satan. And that's why our victory is always tied to the cross. By the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first found the Lord. And the burden of my sin rolled away. It was there by faith. I received His love and now I'm happy all the day. Happiness, having joy. I'm free from the shame. I'm free from the sorrow. If you find yourself still living in the past, say, Lord, I'm so sorry for what I did. You know what? That's good. But if you already took it to the cross, then just say, Lord, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of the cross. Devil, I do regret that, but I'm forgiven. It was nailed to the cross. That stronghold in my life died. That pain, that shame, that's not who I am. I'm new. I'm not the same. Jesus paid it all. My sin passed away. It's deceased. It's dead. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he affirms this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the old you. Behold, the new has come. Some translations say the old has passed away. It died. And now because of Jesus, the new. You're not the same. If you know the Lord, you're not the same. Maybe you've been living with baggage as a Christian. And God says, it's, t- it's time to ease your load. It's time to unload that baggage. He says, I have a baggage handler. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he'll take that away from time to release the guilt, the pain, the abuse, anything that has kept you from going higher in your walk with God. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Understand here that it was nailed to the cross so that it can become a reality here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you believe it here, it comes out here. And do you know, 
What's in the heart affects the mind, the thoughts. And then if the thoughts continue long enough from the heart, it bears witness. It gives fruit through what we say. That's why it says in Scripture, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when we are saturating our heart, what's your time alone with the Lord like? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? And I don't mean haphazard. I mean, are you passionate for his presence? You know, church is, well, I get to church when I don't have anything that's tying up my calendar. Can you imagine when you're facing the greatest challenge of your life? And you cry out to God and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, my calendar's full right now. But I'll get to you next Sunday. You may not have till next Sunday. Sometimes that's true. When a health diagnosis comes, when a marriage is about to break apart, when a child has been in a fatal accident like our Laura, I didn't need him next week. I needed him then. And he was there. He was there. And he's still here. When we love him like that, and that's a choice, not because I'm a pastor. How many of you have read in the news over the decades many different scandals about certain pastors and organizations? We're all flesh and blood. Pastors choose. Businessmen choose. Families choose. Children choose. We all choose. Joshua said, choose you this day who you'll serve. Life is about choices. We choose. And so when we want to embrace this new identity. What the Lord has said is true of us now because of Jesus. We can't put him off till tomorrow. There needs to be priorities in our lives. There does. My goodness, what happens if you're late to work all the time? You get fired. What happens if you're not doing your job up to par, meeting the quotas? You might be put on probation. You know... How much more we give our best to the Lord. His values are eternal. He is transforming us. And as we embrace all of him, he gives us all of himself in return. Stop listening to the voice of a dead man. Stop listening to your past. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He's, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There's an Italian phrase that people say, forget about it. Forget about it. And that's really what Paul is saying in this portion of Scripture. Let go of your shame. If you've asked the Lord for forgiveness, he's faithful. Now leave it behind and embrace my grace, my mercy, my love. You know, Paul says in Romans, the goodness of the Lord leads to repentance. Do you know the longer I serve the Lord, the more I love him? And, and I know for those of you who, who love the Lord, it's the same for you as well. But the reason my love grows is because God gives me what I don't deserve. 
That's his goodness. His goodness is his reputation, his storehouse, who he is. And so when God gives me what I don't deserve, it just crushes my heart in a good way. And I say, thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it. But that's why they call it grace and mercy. The goodness of the Lord. If we're so focused on our past, how can you forget about it? Paul says, forget about those things which are behind. The past is a spiritual and emotional anger. Did you know that? When you hold on to the past, the past will hold on to you. And it becomes like an anchor of a large ship that reaches down and keeps that ship in one place, one position. You need to understand you will never move forward until you remove the anchor from your life of your past. In the Navy, we've got a few Navy guys in here this morning. When it's time to set sail on one of their ships, the command is given, what? Anchors away. Anchors away. Pull the anchors. Pull them away. It's time to move forward. And do you know, when we let go of the anchor of our past, that Satan continues to throw in our minds, our face, and just overwhelm us, condemn us, when we really place our lives fully in his hands and embrace what God is saying about us now, then the anchor is lifted and we continue the journey forward, becoming more like Jesus day by day by day. Let me ask you a question. You can all wave me down, shout whatever you want on this one. How many of you here and online are ready to move forward? How many of you are ready to say, anchors away, anchors away? Once you deal with the shame and sorrow of your life, you will experience the freedom of my closing point. No more sin. No more sin. When the guilt and shame of sin is removed, there's freedom. Amen? This is why Jesus came to earth. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, his son, who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. His pre-incarnation, he was in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But God the Father knew there was no other way out for man unless his son took on the form of man. For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A new identity. God knew we needed help. And Jesus came to do for us what we could never do. Not only for ourselves, but for others. You see, the pathway to freedom is found in 1 John 1, 9. I referenced it earlier. I'll say it again. If we confess our sins, he... God himself is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's either true or it's not. In conclusion, never allow your past to define your present. Did you hear me? Never allow your past to define your present. There was an individual who had had an alcohol addiction many many years he was a marine 
fought several tours of combat in Afghanistan, Iraq. And when he came out, like many of our incredible brave men and women, I love our servicemen and women. They are welcome in this house. But like many of them, he brought back that residue, PTSD, and then his coping skill became alcohol. Then he shared with me, he said, Pastor, it's not from this church. He said, Pastor, one day somebody invited me to church. It was the greatest thing they could ever do for me. And at that service, I gave my heart to Jesus. And now today, I'm four years sober because I gave my life to Jesus. He said the PTSD is no longer God has healed all of those wounds. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I said, that is incredible that you are four years sober. I rejoice. I said, my dad had an alcohol addiction, so I know the impact that can have. I said, but here's a word of wisdom from someone who loves Jesus and likes to speak into the lives of others to help them. I said, don't judge your sobriety or your freedom by time. Four years is great. But instead of judging your sobriety by time, judge it by the cross. I said, the moment you gave your heart to Him, you were free. And now, as you work through it, your lifestyle is just the fruit of what happened the moment you gave your life to Jesus. See, change begins from the inside out. How many of you believe that? Everything goes back to the cross. So fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with the cross. Fall in love with His Word, the Word of God. Don't let it depart from your eyes. When you pray, read scriptures out loud. The Word of God is more than a historical writing. It's alive. It's what God used to create the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And when you release this same word into your mind, your mind will be healed. When you release it into your, in, into your heart, your heart will then permeate and penetrate into every cell and tissue of your physical body. Just as God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're body, soul, and spirit as well. And as we saturate ourselves with Him, it changes how we think. It changes how we feel. It changes the way we live. We take on His identity. And then we realize everything that is true of Jesus is true of me. No more shame. No more sorrow. No more sin. Today you're going to make a proclamation. Today you're going to make an affirmation. Today you're going to declare who you are. Not from your perspective, but from God's. If you know the Lord, you love the Lord, and you want all of Him in your life to be baptized in the fullness of His presence. You want Him to be in charge of every aspect of your life. And you're tired of being harassed by your past. 
You're tired of being harassed by the shame and the sorrow. And you're ready to encounter the fruit of being a new creation. Then I want you to stand up. I want you to proclaim. I want you to shout. Stand up and say, no more. No more. No more. Rise up from your pain. Say, no more to your pain. No more to your guilt. No more to your fear. No more to the shame of your past. No more to the hopelessness. No more. Today is the day the Lord has made. And I will. It's a choice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When you're in your darkest valley, He's still there. That's why David said He prepares God a table for me. A place to be fed, cared for, strengthened receive nutrition feeding he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy David knew what it was to be on the battlefield and still know that God was with him providing and caring and feeding him and strengthening him he understood his identity how much more us now because of the cross your identity is not found in your past your identity found at the cross whom the Son has set free is free indeed once we understand that the journey begins like Paul took three years before he even began to teach and preach we begin to find out our new identity God said it I believe it that settles it heard an old preacher say that never forgot it it's your time. It's your season. If you're ready to say no more, then I want you to come as a demonstration, as an outward manifestation. I want you to come stand left and right around this altar and you're just worshiping the Lord and say, Lord, today I said no more and I meant it. Lord, I'm saying no more to the kingdom of darkness. And I'm saying, Lord, give me more of your presence. Give me as the worship team leads us in a closing song. Fill these altars. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.